That sounds good. We're on. Okay. Hello. Uh, good evening, everyone. Welcome to uh, an Arscast transfer. Ha ha. Uh, live hangout special thingamajig in which we're going to discuss all the transfers that have gone on this summer so uh, we'll be here between now and about five past eight I would say with all that information I'm joined by a, a wonderful crew of gentlemen the Gunnarholic hello hello blogs how you doing we've got James from Gunnar Blog. hello hey good evening uh, Tim Clark from Arse to Mouse howdy and the man from East Lore. You're allowed to talk. Oh, I'm, I'm right allowed. Yeah. No, no, I... <laughs> uh, in the background, there you'll see a, a running total of our transfer spend so far this summer, which we'll update throughout the show. Oh no, I did it again. Is it what? This happened in the first one. Carry on. <laughs> I'm back. Sorry about that. Um, yeah. No wonder television programs have directors and floor men and all that kind of stuff who know <laughs> who know what they're doing. Um, right then, well, look, uh, I think I'd introduced everybody and, and we can we can sort of crack on and we'll start with a transfer exclusive. Uh, as we speak, I have an exclusive coming in that we are not signing Malcolm Christie this summer. So that's good news. Notts County were relying on that money. Mm, I know. But, you know, that's just the, the way it works. Uh, Gunnar Hollick, I'm going to start with you because the last time you did one of these things, there was that whole, you know, bit towards the end where where the name of this particular person, uh, it cropped up, you know, sort of mischievously. And I think it, it was sort of, at the time, uh, so outrageously ludicrous that Arsenal might be interested in a player like Luis Suarez. So we all just kind of... Like, ah, yeah. one of these by then. Yeah, well, one or two. And I think somebody obviously at Arsenal has been drinking um, one or two of those. What do you make of this pursuit? Um, uh, well, given that it's now probably our most likely option of getting somebody who can score goals in this season, let's hope there is something to it. It's um, in as much as who else are you going to get now that we've let Egwene get away? And I'm really not who am I to say I'm not pleased about it but for me he was the guy we should have made every effort to get now that we haven't got him given who's out there given who's likely to move Suarez as I said at the time when I it was tongue-in-cheek that I mentioned him but he's got exactly what we miss in a footballing sense the fact as I went on to add that he's a, a horrible little shit <laughs> um, doesn't seem to have come into the scouting equation they there's obviously a feeling in the club that we can turn around whatever disciplinary ailments he, he suffers from um, if he is coming to us, then I hope they're right, because I, I think it's an obscene amount of money to be paying for someone who potentially could spend, you know, a quarter of the season sitting on his backside suspended. Mm. Uh, Gilberto Silver, your, your thoughts on this? Because you, you were part of that last one. And, um, you know, I think that there was a suggestion, was it Rooney or Suarez? And, you know, both seemed absolutely outrageous at the time. Yet, yet here we are having, having, in a way, sort of backed ourselves into into a corner a little bit because beyond Suarez now where do we go yeah I mean when we asked that question I thought we were dealing in sort of uh, hypotheticals and now it seems like something that's very much a possibility um, I, I don't want to sort of tread over what Hollis just said but I'm very much of the mind that the Higuain thing was very strange. I don't understand why uh, we didn't pursue that deal right to the, its conclusion. It's clear that we were interested. And uh, now we're now in a position where it feels like it's going to be Suarez or bust. 
uh, and bust it is not an option anyone wants to contemplate but then you know there's a lot of fans out there who have got their own issues with the possibility of Suarez arriving and it's also a very difficult deal to pull off it's far from simple for, for many reasons so I don't know why we've made life so hard for ourselves uh, and I feel like you know we're staring down the barrel a bit now mm, uh, Tim your thoughts on all this and where we are and how we've kind of got here because uh, for me and I'm sure for many people this summer, this summer represented a real chance to uh, to go out and do business early we weren't hampered by a wandaway star we weren't uh, dependent on sales to to make purchases etc cetera, etc cetera. yet you know we're the 29th or 30th of July and still nothing really has happened with all due respect to Yaya Sonogo yeah yeah all due respect I mean <laughs> The tricky thing is, without wanting to go too weapons-free, that you, you still think there's kind of enough time for there to be a resolution to the, the window that people would be kind of happy with. But equally, like, it becomes increasingly hard to, to understand what we've been doing for the past 10 weeks. Like, it's 10 weeks. That's a lot of time to... Even if you took, even if you were to put the striker pursuit to one side, I think all of us would look at the rest of the squad and say there are areas which we could quite badly do with more cover... Uh, and you sort of struggle to know why they haven't been addressed. If it's weird, it's very hard to kind of pass what the club do because you only have what happens in the papers and you hear sort of talk and you, each person tries to put together their own little jigsaw. But I know at the start of the window, there was talk of us bidding for the other Bender brother. We previously supposedly bid for Kabai really late in the window and also Etienne Kapu supposedly was, was due over in, in January. And, and all that put together should tell you, well, they must be looking for... A central midfielder who can kind of cover for Arteta and basic logic would tell you that but then you then sort of think well why, why possibly hasn't that been done I've drifted away from Suarez I'll quickly say one other thing on Suarez if that's alright mm-hmm. uh, a friend of mine who I talked to on Twitter quite a bit who goes under the tag I think NY Arsenal New York Arsenal says it's like Arsenal are like someone who's kind of rocked up to the high stakes poker table pissed and like they're not used to playing there and there's a, there's a sort of a big risk of it going quite badly for them and if you try and think even under even under Wenger's whole reign, like how many players have we bought from, let's say, clubs which have won the Champions League? So if you're talking about trying to buy from Madrid or even from a Liverpool, those clubs which consider that they have that sort of stature, we've never done it really. So this, we're, we're in uncharted territory for the executive cast at Arsenal and probably even the manager as well. Like when you look at what this bid is versus our, our record signing in Arshavin, it's tricky, isn't it? Because if you'd have said to me, "Here's 40 million quid. How would you break it up?" I'd probably would have gone. You know, I'd pay 30 million for for a Higuain and and use the rest somewhere else. I mean, you're talking in mad hypotheticals. Because if you'd have said to me at the start of the window, we were going to bid 40 million for anyone, I wouldn't have believed it. But then equally, I've been someone who said, "Take the take the, the mythical transfer proceeds account and do do half of it on one player because that's what you really need to to step up." And Suarez is, I think I said to you before, Andrew. He is to me like in video game terms a cheat character he's the kind of the guy you stick in your team in literal terms he's a cheat character in real life as well he's in every sense the super cheat so for, for footballing reasons I'm quite a moral blank so I'd sort of just I'd, I'd pretend to wring my hands but I'd probably quite enjoy watching him but he's a massive prick like I've written on the blog I wrote on the blog he's a detestable character and I wouldn't even want to watch him in the shirt and I'm going to have to I'm going to have to scarf those words down if it goes to I would have thought. Mm. Um, man from East Lower, I mean, how do you, um, having, uh, we could call you a seasoned Arsenal watcher. Um, Old, you mean, yeah? Well, yeah, uh, you know, that's one way of putting it. I was trying what? to be nice and diplomatic. No, listen, we're not going to take this any further, Holly, don't worry. But um, 
how do you get your head around the fact that Arsenal are bidding forty million pounds for a footballer when we've all grown used to uh, Arsenal operating within a certain stratosphere of of transfers in terms of the money that's paid out you know when you think back actually you know you look back at maybe 10 million pounds for Thierry Henry and when was that 1999 or 2000 uh, or you know 13 million pounds for Silva and Wiltord you know that that's big money back then uh, but we haven't sort of progressed beyond that so you know from that point of view how, how do you sort of reconcile that with the Arsenal you know well, it's obviously forty million and a pound, but um, oh. it's, uh, <laughs> uh, I do feel the whole thing feels odd to me. Uh, and you know, just take sort of take out the equation, the problems that he's had and caused and all that. Just the, the kind of you know, he he said he doesn't like the press in England. I think he said he wants Champions League. Fine, but the press aren't going to change. And what happens if we get knocked out in the first, uh, you know, the qualifying round? What happens then? And uh, it just feels like an odd transfer, as you're saying, with the whole money as well. Um, the amount we're bidding is such a departure from the norm. Um, I mean, you get a player who can score tons of goals, 30 goals, but it, it just feels like an odd one and not one that would um, maybe last that long. I don't know. Uh, who knows? But it, it, it does feel like a very strange thing. Mm. Do Arsenal need a player who can score 30 goals? Yeah, That's- who doesn't? Yeah. yeah. Who doesn't? I mean, ultimately, you, you, the more you can have them, you know, the merrier in some respects. Obviously, you're not going to have five of them, but... Um, but why not? It could only add to the team. I'd just say that United had Rooney and went and bought, as we know last year, uh, some Dutch geezer from somewhere. And, and that's kind of what you refer to when you ask that question. Yeah, I think we've got an improve. We've got a prospect this season, Giroud making a step change forward. And he didn't have a bad first season. But he looks like having a good second, we hope. Uh, hopefully, Podolski alongside him, Walcott also going to contribute. But at the end of the day, you look at what United achieved by signing that 30-goal man last season. That is the move that catapults us back into at least having a shout at it for a bit, a little bit longer than we're doing at the moment. I, I think you need a player that... Sorry, sorry, Andrew. I think you need a player that teams are afraid to face, and we lost that last year. We, we, we had a lot of good players, and we, you know, with the, the creativity was spread around but there was no single player in the team that you thought defenders turning up on a Saturday would sort of be really shitting themselves thinking about because all of you know had a lot of nice tricks and could shoot from distance but we didn't have that character who would terrorise uh, defenders I don't think so, so what happens? I mean, I think, you know, the, the, the Suarez thing, and certainly I've written about it at length and, you know, I don't necessarily want to go over it a great deal here but, you know, if it comes right down to it the moral objections that some people have and, and the objections that some people might have for, uh, for Suarez in terms of the risk that he presents because uh, of the suspensions he suffers, because of his behaviour, because of the way he has acted at pretty much every football club that he's gone to, he sort of engineered a move away when it suited him. You know, do we just have to kind of leave that for the for the manager and for Ivan Gazidis or, or whoever that, that if it goes wrong, it comes back on them. And in the meantime, we just have to get on with having a player like Suarez. I think so. I think that we have to respect the decisions that the people who are sort of employed by the club to make those decisions take. Uh, and I think that, you know, ultimately it, it rebounds, as you, as you say, on Arsene Wenger. Um, it's not, it's not going to be Suarez's fault that Arsenal spend 50 million quid on him. Uh, it's, you know, it's going to come back to the manager and the board at the end of the day. I mean, I am staggered that it's a risk that Arsene Wenger is prepared to take. It seems 
huge out of character. I know he's gambled on players with sort of injury proneness in the past, but to to go for a character as volatile as Suarez seems hugely against all his, his normal principles. You know, we all hear so much talk about how so much of the scouting is about players' personalities. You know, what are they like, you know, behind the scenes in the dressing room? You don't need to go behind the scenes to know what Suarez is like. You see it on the pitch and you see it in a sort of FA verdict. Uh, and it, it amazes me that that's something that Arsenal's considering. But, you know, someone used a gambling analogy earlier. And maybe it's that time for Wenger where he's sort of having a final roll of the dice. Well, there, this is my next question, and I'll, I'll, I'll put it to you, Tim. Um, that th- perhaps this could be Arsene's last roll of the dice, that given uh, his contract situation, given everything that's gone on, he might see this like uh, Alex Ferguson did when he bought Van Persie, with a sort of a going-away present to himself, um, that this could be Arsene Wenger's last year, which would then, um, you know, he could get a good year out of Suarez, you know, he's generally well enough behaved in his first years at clubs. And then from next year, it becomes, um, you know, somebody else's problem. It's, it's definitely got a whiff of that. The only reason I would think that is maybe not the case is that <clears throat> I think it was when they when they started the Asia Tour, there was those stories that came out quite early on about a new deal. And that would imply, you know, if he's going to hot foot it off to, to PSG after next season, he would almost not be bothering leaking that sort of stuff. Or, or you think that kind of narrative wouldn't be necessarily out there in the wild. So although it, it's it's definitely tempting to look for that kind of um, the similarity with the Ferguson situation. I think it might be a last roll of the dice, but a roll of the dice that sort of lasts three years. Maybe he's going to give himself, because he was talking as well, wasn't he, about we think we could mount a, a title challenge in, in two, two to three years. And whether that was just, you know, a, a, a sort of piece of phraseology that you shouldn't take too literally, I think that's possible. But equally, it might be he thinks he's got, you know, there is a window here with, with Moyes coming in at, United and change elsewhere. Maybe he does think he's got kind of this window here. I, I don't. I definitely don't think it's just he's going. I'm going to have 12 months of Suarez and hope we want we win an FA Cup so I can sign off. I think everything that you've sort of seen over Wenger tells you he'll want to go out with a sort of bigger bang than that. But then, but then that makes it all the more confusing that he's not seemingly yet addressing the other areas of the squad. And I was thinking about this earlier today and thinking maybe he is just convinced that we can get really late into the window because we haven't lost anyone. We can kind of go with what we've got. Maybe he just thinks he can pick up a Williams late and he can pick up a spare keeper if, if, if he feels that's what's necessary and maybe even a kind of a workman like mid. But everything really hinges on getting this striker right because if because if they don't get this striker right and if they do fail at the, the, the high stakes table, it's really, really hard to see significant inroads being made on on those other clubs above us that, that have all barring United strengthened you know City seems to have done really good business Chelsea have got Shuri in and might get might get Rooney who knows it's, it's hard to see those points being made up and, and also there's that nagging doubt that them down the lane might be having 100 mils swashing around their, their <laughs> filthy coffers to, to offer. You're making a point yeah, you're making a point there that uh, is kind of the unspoken at the moment, the fear of everybody. The last time we were in a Champions League qualifying round, we did leave our business till late. <laughs> By the time we did our business, at the end of August, we were effectively out of the title race already. We'd been humiliated as humiliated could be at Old Trafford. And we went on this mad shopping trolley dash and chucked a few things in the trolley one or two worked out one or two didn't Uh, I can't believe for the life of me that we are going into this qualifier with that frame of mind I pray I'm wrong but at the moment we need to be proven wrong well I I think Uh, our our Ivan Gazidis said that um, 
you know the start of the summer that the Champions League thing isn't factored into into what they do and how they how they want to do the business but it is but, the players if you want to sign a, a big player let's say you know a big name player then that's factored into their thinking so mm. it's pretty important yeah but I mean the, the the issue I suppose was that this summer should never have been about um leaving it till late looking for bargains you know in the past we've had to do though we've had to sort of cut our cloth and 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 play some high stakes poker and, and a bit of brinksmanship with certain clubs and sometimes it's paid off and sometimes it hasn't but you know the, the, i think the, the the issue this summer is we didn't have to because we were um in a good position we qualified you know for the for the qualifier if you get me um we had the money in the bank and um seemingly a willingness on the, on the part of the club to spend the money. Do, do you think, um, uh, Gilberto Silva, that perhaps there's something in this that we're finding it difficult to operate outside of our comfort zone? Um, if you yeah. look at what happened with, with Higuain, that it was, it was practically done. Like, papers about to be signed, Madrid put the price up, I'm guessing, because they knew of Napoli's interest, and Arsenal got pissy and walked away. I mean, it wasn't a case that, right, well, we prefer Suarez. It was that Madrid pissed us off, now we'll go for Suarez. That was, That's what happened. And you look at transfers, for example, it's easy to buy Olivier Giroud from Montpellier. Montpellier is a small club. Giroud is a good player, but, it, you know, it's a small club, 12 million quid to them. Same with Cologne and Podolski, same with Malaga, who are in big trouble financially. So that's why it's relatively easy to do a deal for Santi Cazorla. Even Andrew, don't you think we forget how much they rumbled on? I remember Cazorla thinking, like, other clubs were going to sweep him free and the Sheik was going to come I think that happened in off. about a week, though. If I remember correctly, that was, like, seven to no, ten days I had an argument with this about something it was, it was at least two weeks and, and maybe even more and even Giroud the, the president was saying I'm going to want 30 million for him like, like, they're so unlike Monreal's all our deals seem like absolutely interminable and I'm sure every fan at every club thinks this I sit next to a load of United fans at work who are bleating and moaning all the time but, but ours do seem it, since the Nasri one do you remember the Nasri one went on for like what felt like fucking eons can we talk about his exit or his, in, or, or his arrival well both both but I think the difference with those was that there was a sense that uh, the delay was on an impending transfer, like the, the, the terms were essentially agreed, but the, the deals didn't actually go through. Whereas with Higuain, I mean, it felt like it had gone that far, but it, it never really did. What's frustrating is you talk about Montreal, but that shows you how quickly a deal can be done, you know, in the right circumstances. But don't you think even with Madrid, James, that like there's, there's been quite a lot of talk of, oh, Madrid, what pricks they are and how, how badly they screwed us over. Like if we were to receive tomorrow an offer for, I don't know, Jovino that was far above what Roma were likely to pay, we'd, we'd just sell him to the other club, wouldn't we? Like, that's just... That's just yeah, no, that's, that's good business. And I think there are two things at play here. One is that I'm not sure how wise it was to go into the market saying, look what we can do. Uh, you know, I understand from the club's perspective why that was a smart PR move. I'm sure it kept the renewals up. I'm sure it changed the image of the club in some people's minds outside it. But it's not a great negotiating tactic to say, we can pay... 50 million quid for a player or 250 you know grand a week secondly i think the other problem is that the parameters have changed in terms of spending but the personnel hasn't you've still got a guy making the major decisions in arsene wenger who is not prepared to go beyond what he believes the market value of a player to be and that isn't how elite transfers operate like if you look at a club like manchester city they paid 40 million quid for fernandinho this summer Nobody thinks Fernandinho is worth £40 million, but he was the player they wanted and the player they needed. And they were prepared to go beyond what you would call his market value 
in order to secure him as an investment. I'm sure, but Arsene Wenger is not comfortable with that kind of spending. He he won't do it, and I do think that's what we're coming up against. Do you mind if I interject at this point? Because there's kind of two things that I hear that are counter to each other in meaning. One is, James has just been mentioning, Arsene Wenger decides the value of the player, won't pay over the odds. The second thing I hear that is growing day by day by day is that we don't have the negotiating team in place to close the deal. Now, those two things are not necessarily complementary. It may well be that Arsene Wenger has said to Dick Law, I want him. Dick Law can't close it. We don't know which way that's going. It's a, a dangerous line to take. Does that not bring us back to that whole thing that, um, you know, leaving aside the acrimonious manner of his um, departure and not going into the rights and wrongs of it in any way. But one of the things that many people have said since he left is that Arsenal need someone like David Dean, if not David Dean, back. So what we had, and I think it it references um, what James said there, is that, you know, he was a guy who could push Arsene Wenger to spend that little bit of money or who could convince him that, you know, it's okay if we spend a couple of couple of million quid and and uh, as good a businessman as Ivan Gazidis uh, appears to be uh, and certainly he's a, a fantastic speaker and politician he doesn't have that kind of influence uh, over Arsene Wenger a man from East Lower I'll let you run with that one for a minute well it's um it's, I mean, it's it's possible, but the thing about it, we the thing about it, we never we never hear anything. We never really know anything that's going on, and and this is why we kind of think, oh, is it, is it the player? Is it the negotiating team? Is it the? And maybe there's no way we can hear stuff, but because they're such a, ultimately such a secretive club, we just don't have any idea. Uh, the bottom line is we don't really know. I mean, he they could argue, look, we got Cazorla last year as one of the best players of, uh, for Spain, and you could say, you know, we got Podolski last year, 100 caps for Germany, and um, I, I, it's just we. All, the weird the weird thing about it is that is that is that we should have done some business by now, and we haven't, but we really don't know. Um, I'm, you know. <laughs> If you look at it objectively, you think there's there's surely no way, as James said, given the strengthening that's gone on, there's surely no way, given the money that we've got, that we're not going to strengthen. And that's the kind of thing that I keep thinking, you know, objectively, I'm looking at this, and it just can't be that it's not going to happen. Um, and you know, maybe by the 1st of September, I'm thinking, you know, it will be, you'll be all, or we'll all be proved right, and that something badly's gone on behind the scenes with the negotiating. But it could still happen and I just I look at it and I think it's it's, surely it's got to happen well that's why none of it makes any sense to anyone you know why it's why it's sort of taking taking so long can I throw it out there uh, Tim I'll go to you that when you look at the other side of the transfer business this summer players that have gone out and you look at what they've done with Andre Santos essentially come to a deal over the two years remaining on his contract and got rid of him uh, Danielson, the same thing. Juru is is gone on loan. Coquelin is gone on loan. Manone is gone. Frimpong is probably going to go. Bender, well, look, nobody can get rid of Nicholas Bender. Um, but, you know, there's been a fairly ruthless cull of players from the first team, the Deadwood, as everyone liked to call it, which would suggest to me that there's a plan or that somebody at some point has sat down and said, 
let's go through the squad. Don't need him. Don't need him. Don't need him. Let's get rid of him. Let's drive Bender into the woods and, and run off or, you know, put him in somewhere with fucking <clears throat> lions. I don't give a shit. But, you know, there's been that much of a plan to say, look, we can we can trim this much from the squad. So surely it makes some sort of sense that the the other side of the plan also exists that in order to qual- uh, in order to challenge and in order to win something next season, we need to improve the squad. Or am I just kind of you know? No, I think this that makes total sense. I mean, if this was the wire, there'd be a lot of vacant houses with the bodies of strikers who didn't play wrapped in cellophane in them, wouldn't they? That's kind of the way it's gone this summer so far. And you you have to think they've been clearing a big chunk of the wage bill off so that, that those wages can be reallocated towards new players who actually play. And, and, and you, you would think also that probably less players, because we've sold or dispensed with, well, if you start factoring in the youth guys who've been let go, it's, it's up into sort of high double figures, isn't it? But you, you think that kind of that, that wage bill that everyone was pretty much agreed was being wasted was going to be, if that was thrown at sort of three players of, of you know, instant first team quality and perhaps even better than, than we already had, then we would be in a much stronger position. And like like Jim kind of intimated, I wouldn't, I still wouldn't rule out that happening. Like I don't think we're here to kind of read the last rights. It's just, it's just sort of turned into like a classic Arsenal summer of blame and stress, isn't it? I suppose maybe we wouldn't have it any other way. Maybe we'd miss it. We managed to get ourselves in, in, embroiled in a phantasmagorical Fabregas transfer saga, <laughs> even though he's not been our player for a couple of years. So. I can't say I'm enjoying the summer at all. Funny has, enough, this been, has this been the worst summer, though, in terms of that kind of stuff? You no, know, Fabregas Nasri was the absolute worst. Well, no, I, I just mean in terms of of the stuff that's out there in in the bullshit, the bullshit and the yeah. crap and the lies and the it's the media stuff. I think it's been the summer of the direct message. I think it's the summer in which Twitter's direct message function has never been more abused. I think there's kind of almost like a, an under Twitter going on where people are telling each other stuff. Often, I think, probably in quite good faith, but perhaps misjudged. And some and of the strange not, things... Yeah, I was going to say, it's not just DMs as well. I mean, it's actually everything that's out there. Every minute of every day, there's someone moaning about what isn't happening, which is understandable. It's human nature. Uh, you know, we have been talking about it. There may well be time left to retrieve it, but it doesn't feel that way at the moment. See, see I understand like fully why people care so much, and I think yeah, people, exactly. and I would include myself, because there's no other time other than obviously January when your team can make such theoretically such a radical change in quality, right? There's only so much that coaching and kind of building form is going to do for you. I mean, you, you only have to look at the, the French sides. The French oil sides now to see what a transformative effect that sort of period can have and people universally football fans are desperate for their clubs to be better right so this is the chance they see to to make a big step change but we as Arsenal fans also remember that your club can get much worse in the in the transfer window potentially as well so that's what nerves are so fraught that people turn on each other and we turn on each other at the best of times I don't know like it would be stupid to say like well the club should have signed someone by now for PR purposes but I do wonder if if going into the Emirates Cup with with Nari a new face and with Higain fired up and keen to make a point, it's not going to look a bit, or it's not going to end up in a bit of embarrassment. I think people are are angry and you know frustrated, but as I said before, you know even Gazidis sat in a series of press conferences in May and, and made that rod for their own back. You know he made a lot of big statements that that we're yet to deliver on. I mean we probably spent, continued to brief along those lines. Yeah, and I think you know we've probably spent more money getting rid of players 
than we have buying any. You know, what we've paid off to like Sir Santos, I reckon we're probably we're probably down on that. And, and and I know we've celebrated the departure of a lot of these guys, you know, your Santoses and, and your, your juries and things like that. But at a point now, if you, I log on to Arsenal.com and I click on the first team squad, I'm not convinced we're better off for it. We've only got three centre-backs. You know, we let Juru go. We've got two fit centre-halves. I'm we not sure... We made Sorry. the point in May, James, that we'd also culled the reserves as well. So you haven't got a great number of players coming, pushing on yeah. for inclusion. We've seen a couple, I expect, on this tour who might be an awful lot closer than they would otherwise have been. Yeah, exactly. But, you know. It's, I mean, it's all very well saying these guys aren't good enough, and that, and that is true. I'm not going to argue the case for the, you know, the likes of Danielson. But in terms of sheer depth, I actually think we're approaching a critical point whereby if we don't bring people in, we just haven't got the numbers. Like I think we're three or four players light. And what worries me, uh, and I know that, you know, we can do business on the quiet is that you only hear ever talk about one and that is a center forward, but we're actually in about three or four other positions, very, very light as well. Mm. Um, and we should point out on the other side of that, we have a first 11 we could pick from, let's say 15 or 16 now, that could give anybody a game. So although it's a ridiculous thing to say, you can understand Arsene saying, well, a squad I have is good enough to win things. Oh, yes, if you keep those 15 or 16 players fit, but you And won't. he said win the league. He said win the league. And that, because people were saying, well, you shouldn't, you shouldn't get angry about what Arsene says. And I take that point because it's no good for anyone's blood pressure but to say you can win the league like is an absurdity because you would have to yeah but what's he going to say he's not going to say uh, well, we, this, this squad is not good enough to, to, to win the league because no, it sends out all the wrong messages even if it's a, um, you know he's got half of the squad out there saying off their own backs or either prompted I'd love it if someone came in God knows we need it he could easily say, you know, last year was really tough. We scrapped hard to get in the Champions League. That went well, but we know that we know that to make to make the next step, we're going to need one or two really good guys to come in. And I know he says that he does say we want one or two really good guys frequently. But just don't. There's no need to add on the. But you know what? If they don't come, we can win the league because it's just patently not true. We, mm, I'd agree with that. I mean, he, he, you know, he's hardly going to. Uh, uh, tear the squad down, but he doesn't have to sort of say, "Look, we can win the league." You're, you know, we were miles away from it, from it last season. Um, uh, man, for me, Laura, what, what do you make of all the players who've been talking? Because um, I've never seen anything quite like that in in terms of uh, the Arsenal first team: Arteta, uh, Giroud, Podolski, uh, Wilshire. Uh, I can't remember somebody else uh, quite recently as well. Uh, who've all been talking about, I think it could have been Chesney, uh, you know, they've all been talking about how excited they are about the players that we've been linked with and the names that we've been linked with, and they want good players to come in just as much as, as we do. Yeah, it almost feels like it's some sort of a concerted campaign, isn't it? Um, it's, it is, um, it's, it's kind of unusual, but... Uh, uh, they only, you know, in, in some respects, they want, you know, they want to achieve a, um, in a similar way to we want them to achieve, you know, coming from, from a different angle, obviously. And so I think it's kind of nice that they say that that thing and um, that so many have said it is 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 quite odd. Uh, but this is kind of goes back to my point is if, if you look at objectively at everything, you know, them saying that and what Wenger said in the past, what Gazidis has said, how much money we've got, having get rid of the deadwood, you kind of think surely there's no logical um uh, there's no logical way that there won't be strengthening done and that's the kind of thing I cling on to because everything points at that and yet here we are nothing's happened yet you know patience is the word that's been espoused by by many um, but surely surely 
Arsenal fans are are you know the most patient in the world, having you know gone through the stadium move and and accepting that finances have been difficult, and and now here we are, you know, in this brave new world, this era of uh, you know uh, more money than we know what to do with. Maybe that's what the problem is. We actually have more money than we know what to do with. <laughs> I wish it was that true. But and we probably are the most patient fans on the planet. And when you take the great swathe in the middle, it's it's those at either end of the equation who are making the greatest noise. Where'd he go? He's upset, he's furious. <laughs> Talk to me. Yeah. He's less patient than you. He's gone. Yeah, I have to say though, you look and I see I see people I know on both ends of the extreme who I have an awful lot of time for on social media. And it's kind of really, the thing for me about it is the fallout between the Arsenal supporters that all this is causing. At the end of the day, you've got to remember, well, actually, it is still July. We can still do something about it. But what's worrying all of us is that, hell, it should have been done by now. But everybody out there is coming from a, I'm an Arsenal fan, and I accept that they are. It's time for us to stop falling out with each other and start perhaps putting more of our, uh, how shall I put it? We do need to put some more pressure on the club to make them understand where we're coming from, but not at the expense of each other. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think that's it's it's contentious, isn't it? And, and and the thing is, I think everybody, you know, I don't think there's anybody who I don't think this is divisive in any way, if you get what I mean. Um, who out there doesn't want the club to sign players? There's nobody, you know. Yeah. I guess it's um. Is that uh, <laughs> have that man front march to the camp <laughs> he's thinking okay, I can just get through 10 more days of getting linked to a world class striker and then we'll get yeah. something up at the end Gilberto uh, Silver tell, tell me now um, leaving the striker thing aside assuming that we, we all want a striker what, what else would you like to see us do uh, a goalkeeper of some description. Uh, if Arsene Wenger thinks Chesney's good enough to be number one, I'm happy to accept that. But I think we could do with the third goalkeeper to compete with Fabianski and Chesney. Uh, certainly a centre-back. I think that we're extremely like there. I'm not convinced that having Bakri Sanya as an option is a sensible choice, really. Um, a holding midfielder that we've talked about. Uh, that would that would be my main ones. I think, you know, I, I wouldn't say no to a creative midfielder as well. Uh, but if you said to me, what are the priorities? Centre-back uh, and then holding midfield are the major ones for me. Mm. Centre-back for me is a real a real worry because, you know, we could go into the season with just two fit centre-halves and, and um, I like Sanya and, and uh, I was just a little bit worried when Arsene Wenger spoke about him as possibly an option in there rather than buying somebody. Um, what about Ignacy Mikel? Is, is he somebody who can step up? Hollick, do you think he's ready yet uh, to, to sort of fill that role as the fourth centre half you know assuming that Vermaelen will get fit at some point um, if I were to compare where Mikel is now to where Juru is now I would say we might have let the wrong man go but that's not to say Mikel's not going to make it and it's not to say that my view isn't influenced by the fact that he's played a lot as a left back and a left back he ain't 
Um, I've seen him play well as a central defender, but at the top level, you have to say he's unproven. He can, if he if he is called upon, if we do go into the season with two fit centre backs and lose one, he's the logical one to be called up. If he steps up and does the business, nobody's going to be more pleased than me. But like you, I would sooner see someone brought in there. I think the whole spine of the side needs a quality backup. All right. Who would you, I mean, in terms of positions, would you go uh, with anything different uh, from James? No, I don't think so, but I think Arsenal probably will. The signs are that if Jovino goes, he wants to sign another wide player, um, which is fine as long as he's a legitimate wide player, and we're not signing another small central midfielder to play in, a, in the wrong place. But, you know, this whole move for Bernard is indicative that he's looking at filling in that. I think that's a brilliant name for a footballer, isn't it? Just like a Brazilian called Bernard. And he's a turkey. <laughs> Tim, um, anything to add to that in terms of, of where you might like to see the squad strengthened? That, well, my, my defensive midfielder obsession will persist, not in the sense of having some big hardie to run around kicking people, but just someone who can retain the ball and can cover for Arteta and be the natural heir to Arteta. I, know, I thought Ramsey was really great uh, in tandem with him at the end of last year, but I'm still not sure if, if that is his destiny. I, when we were briefly linked with Gustavo of Bayern, I, I got really excited because he can play left-back and centre-back as well. So having that a utility-ish player of that kind of quality in the squad could really alleviate some of the worries I think we've got at left-back you know, left with Monreal injured and, and having only three first-team centre-backs. So I, I kind of, I'm surprised that hasn't materialise more because it seems such a brilliant fit um, but yeah striker that sort of defensive mid I'd still quite like another creative player I thought that was one of the we did struggle didn't we at times last year to... can Wilshire do that now that he's sort of going into a season fit you know without bits of him hanging off and all that kind of stuff can, what, can he fill Wilshire's, that role? I don't know what is Wilshire's best position do people think because I'm still not sure He, I thought his best season was alongside Song deeper he, but that was just, that was kind of his only season, though. In fairness, yeah, true. I, I don't know. Like, I'd, I'd love to. I love the idea of him making that that ten position his own. And I'm I'm, I'm one of the guys who like a happy seeing because all are wide left. I think because all is really good out there. Um, but we did look as much as I think Wilshire clearly is probably the most naturally talented, certainly British guy we've got. We did seem a little unbalanced, and and we did seem to find a, a groove and a rhythm towards the end without him. So I, I'm not sure. Where does everyone think he starts on the first day of the season? What position would you put him in? I've got him alongside Arteta behind Rosicki. Rosicki starting on the first day. Rosicki starting if he's fit. If he's fit, he's in the side every week for me, but he's never fit. Mm, I don't know. I, I like Rosicki, and um, you know, I think he's a guy who really adds some experience and depth to the squad. But and I don't sense think... of urgency as well. Well, you know, I get that, and I like the way, really like the way he plays. But he I think, you know, I think we could do do better. Oh yeah, which is why we're in. We should be in the market for someone. Well, for Bernard. Once Sesk's there, we'll be fine. Just, just stick in there. Yeah, because I hear Sesk is uh, he's commissioned somebody to build a swimming pool in a flat that he might be leasing from. Hey, he's not liked all those pictures on Instagram for nothing, Andrew. Don't destroy the dream right now. This is very true. This is very true. Uh, man from East Lower, anything to add in terms of where the squad should uh, should bolster itself or be bolstered? 
Uh, well, I'd, I'd say that um, the the fourth sort of centre half is quite a tricky one because actually Juru is pretty much uh, kind of ideal for that. It was quite experienced and happy to sort of sit there. And uh, it's difficult, isn't it? If you buy someone that's really experienced, then you've got three very experienced guys ahead of him. So it's quite a fine balance to strike there. Goalkeeper-wise, I, I think I wouldn't be massively disappointed if we didn't sign one. I think there are other areas that need strengthening. I'm kind of going along with the defensive midfield and striker as the two key kind of areas and maybe someone wide but um uh the the center half thing is, is is a bit tricky just because if it's somebody really experienced then you've you're going to get someone pretty disillusioned and maybe that doesn't matter but um maybe it does a lot of people on Twitter, I'm just sort of reading through my timeline here, and there's lots of questions, and apologies, I can't get through uh, to yours if I don't get it. But a lot of people talking about Fellaini. Um, is he the guy that could could do something in our midfield, or is he going to end up at Manchester United? Well, I'd, take him in a, I'd take him in a heartbeat. He's a great player. I, I think he's a great centre-forward. I think he's played centre-forward for two years, and I'm not convinced that he is a defensive midfielder like I mean I know he says he wants to play there and I know he's played there in the past but essentially for Everton he's playing as a target man uh, and I think if you buy him you've got to build your team around him you've got to throw everything into him and I can't see an Arsene Wenger team ever doing that so £23 million for a player who hasn't really been playing that position for two years seems an odd one to me he's a good player though the cool kids on Twitter are always telling me he just can't pass well enough he won't, he won't fit into a Wenger team because his pass completion makes him too, too sort of erratic and he doesn't want he wants to play that DM role doesn't he or he wants to play deep and it's strange he'd be the kind of guy that would be amazing to have in the squad so you could stick on when you were struggling in a game and stick him behind like a striker like like soon to be try not to say anything too controversial about Suarez but um, <laughs> yeah he'd be the great, he'd be a great guy to have around but, but you're right it was hard to see him wanting to be that sort of makeshift squad player very briefly, we were just talking about Rosicki being the guy who increases the tempo and gets at the opponents. Fellaini, if you talk to Everton supporters, when things don't go well for them, they say exactly the opposite of him. He's slow of thought, of movement, and he tends to be as well a bit of a scapegoat when things go against them. And you can imagine, maybe size related, maybe he's not really that slow, but uh, fitting him into a midfield that's got Wilshire, that's got Arteta, that's got Cazorla, that's I, I, I'm gonna, I, I to be honest, I don't see the fit for us. Mm, I'd take him. I can see him in red and white, definitely. I'd make him get a haircut, but i definitely take him. <laughs> He's brilliant to watch. When don't you enjoy watching him? And I kind of like, maybe I overvalue that, but I like watching players I like watching, if that doesn't sound too facile. Mm. What about um, some of the youngsters who, who've been on the tour and uh, without wanting to to hype up anyone in particular and, and certainly there's one guy who called the eye on the tour who I don't think is going to be a candidate for first team football next season and, and, and we should leave that to one side but this crop of sort of um, Icefells, Nabry, Olsen, um, Akpom, Aniki are any of these guys good enough to step up next season or are they the, the sort of players that are going to have to go out on loan in, in very much a sink or swim kind of a, a situation? Only Nabri and Miachi I think have a realistic chance of being involved next season. You know, Aniki was at Crew 
last year where he did well. We didn't make any great waves down there, although I've always loved him at youth level. Um, Nabry started three of the four games, I think, on the tour. It's clear Wenger likes him. And he, it's, it's clear Wenger's got a real soft spot for Rio as well. Like, And a lot of the staff do. They, they really rate the kid, even though he's had a lot of problems with injury. So they would be the two who I think, you know, if Jovino is sold, rather than sign someone, it's possible that they might step into that place in the squad. Right. Well, there. Okay, well, look, I want to come back just before we finish then, because obviously the the big story is still Suarez. Um, is it going to happen? Hollick, what do you think? Given the circumstances, given the way that uh, the Liverpool owner, you know, tweeted about what are they smoking there? I mean, he's going to look, he's going to uh, look like a total cunt, isn't he? If they if they sell, you know, I mean, that's the thing. He is. If, if you're going to be Billy Big Balls, you're, you're you've got to you've got to back it up, no? <laughs> he is. If they don't, uh, jokingly, if we've offered forty million and one, then I would offer them fifty million and Bentner. Seriously. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I I really do think it's a it's a real possibility. I understand the difficulties we perceive in our relationship with them, with them not wanting to sell to another Premiership club, and our doubts about whether we can negotiate the deal. But it is the most likeliest one out there, given there isn't another big name striker who immediately you think, yes, we can get him. Ibrahimovic, somebody says on Twitter. What about that? I'll take Let him. someone else do that. Well. Well, I mean, you, you know, the, the options are are quite limited. Man from East Lower, what do you think? Suarez, is it a yes or a no? I mean, I don't. I'm not talking about whether you want him, mm-hmm. but just whether we can do this deal. I, I, I'd say probably at the moment, I can't see it. I can't really see it happening. I mean, it's obvious that we want him, but it's a complicated deal for obvious for lots of reasons, which we all know about. And um, I, I can't. I just can't see it right now. Gilberto Silver, I think it's very difficult. From Liverpool's point of view, hold on to him and they can still get 40 to 50 million quid from a foreign club in a year. And I, I don't know why they'd cave now. Um, I, I think it seems unlikely. So so what do we do? <laughs> <laughs> um, keep Jovino as a centre-forward. <laughs> uh, Tim, your thoughts on Suarez before everybody melts completely. I was about to say, I think I still sort of semi think it will happen just because it will be so catastrophic for the for the the ruling class at the club to be seen for this to completely fail. I think the big mistake was not was not um, was not letting people know that we had a lot of money because I think one look at the books would have told you that. But I think the big mistake was getting to a position where we only had one clear target left because that left that leaves you very little room to to kind of play chess with the people you're negotiating with. I, I think they'll go really high. I think James wrote before that um, he, it may end up being a 50 million quid deal and I wouldn't be at all surprised. I think we may we may go even further. The, 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 the X factor is that Liverpool are just unbelievably intransigent, isn't they? And like, when you think about it for even two seconds, you and all your knowledge of Liverpool tells you that's what they're like. So you, it's very hard to predict them because they're so stubborn. But, but I mean, I quite, I quite admire them for that. I mean, I, I wish we'd been a bit more uh, stubborn about, you know, Van Persie last exactly. year. Well, they're they're if we'd have thrown two... Don't think for one moment that they will keep an unhappy player. If Suarez goes and says, look, that's it, I want to go, I really want to go, 
then what they're doing now is they're haggling over how much they're going to get when the inevitable happens in exactly the same way that we have been done over every summer year in year out as much as like, if I more yeah. to that like because the, the one thing this does tell you with United's pursuit of Fabregas as well is that that fee if you lest you were in any doubt was bullshit like it was an awful awful deal done on our part I think out of a sense of loyalty to the player because we promise him one more year and we'll let you go but if you look at what Levy's doing what he did with Modric and what he did with Bale he doesn't give a fuck he just doesn't care at all he sees them as assets and he doesn't care about even what he's told them previously he'll just renege on it and renege on it and uh, it's, you know, there's only one club that's going to be in for Bale and there was only one club that was in for Fabregas. I think I'd rather have seen him miserable and sat in there three years on his deal. We've been too soft in the past, you know, and we're now having done to us what I wish we'd done on more than one occasion. But What's my only thing with Suarez is that I do think to get this deal done, you're going to have to go to 50 million quid at least. And I think that I'm not sure that's something that Arsenal, the club, necessarily entered the summer thinking that we would do but I feel that they've left themselves with so few options yeah. to get this deal done that is what we have to do and actually that brings up the question of like if we hadn't thought that we might spend that much should we have been talking to people like Cavani should we have yeah. been talking to people like Falcao because I don't think we ever envisaged spending that much on an individual but that is what we will now have to do and the point is there were actually a couple of other options floating around which have now gone so I don't think we've gone about it in a great way and if we do it our back is to the wall because we've got to get something done even if you do you think if they had their time again they would they would just do the Higuain deal as this ticks on or do you think they think they're playing this brilliantly it depends, I don't know it but... seems odd though it's just odd isn't it that you know if you if you won't pay what Madrid won for uh, for Higuain and then all of a sudden your next option is you know is 40 million you know so I don't know it's it's just hard to know it's hard to escape the, the, the feeling that we've made a bollocks of stuff. You know? Well, don't forget, there could, there could be other targets that we, we don't know who they are yet. And um, you know, there's the <laughs> hopeful side of me saying, there, might, there must be someone else. <laughs> but um, there, there might be someone who comes sort of from the left field who's sort of relatively well-known, but um, you know, we don't know about it. If it's, if it, it, anyway, this is the one that everyone knows about. Mm. I it's mean, not, I think the, that's for yeah, sure. the, bid for Rooney, the bid for Rooney must be imminent. I really think that. I think that. Really? Yeah, I, I do think that. I think that one more rejected bid for Suarez, because I feel like we're just sort of moving from target to target and each time we'll hit a limit and then we'll go to the next one. It's and like it whose line is it anyway? We're making it's a little bit. It's a little bit. I don't know. Eventually, Darren Bent will pull into Colney Car yeah. Park and it'll be done. <laughs> I'm, I'm, half, I'm half joking. I'm half joking, but it wouldn't amaze me. I don't think we've got a chance doing that deal either. And so, have you noticed how I'm sinking into the gloom? How very apt. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you kind of look like a, a Roy Orbison. <laughs> I don't know who the Yorkshire Ripper there, but <laughs> I would have taken Ben Tucker at the start of the, at the start of the window. Yeah, that was a, a lot of people one. would. Yeah, that was a funny one. Mm. All right. Well, look, uh, gents, thank you very much indeed for your time. We're no uh, closer to any sort of conclusion about why stuff hasn't happened or if stuff is going to happen. Uh, we'll, we'll, I think, probably go with the man from East Lower's belief that, you know, given the situation, you look at it objectively, it seems nonsensical to think that something won't happen. Uh, so uh, it might not happen before the Emirates Cup, but let's hope it all happens before the start of the season. If it doesn't, I'll see you back here. We'll uh, all take our uh, Russian roulette hangout type thing. Uh, we can do that. Uh, Tim Clark, thank you very much. Thank you, cheers. Uh, Gilberto Silva from Gunnerblock, thank you. 
Cheers, no. Uh, the man from East Lower, say hello. Hi, hi. <laughs> thank you. I've got my arse in thing as a magic hat got on. got it. This is brilliant. And Gunnar Hollick, thanks a million. Thank you very much indeed. And on that note, thank you all indeed for watching. <laughs> and uh, we'll catch you again soon. Cheers. Bye-bye.